What is up, Clitorati and pleasure seekers all around the world? Welcome to your favorite Tuesday brew of goodness. And we have a very exciting guest for you today. He is a man, a digital creator, and you may know him from TikTok or YouTube. We'll have to look at this guy's content because even though we've done the name change from Clit Talk to Pleasure Positive Living, we're still very risque for the talk. So today... (laughs) Kesh shares advice on dating, marriage, and today we're going to be talking about divorce and living a pleasure-positive life post-divorce. So please welcome to the studio, Rudy. Thank you for having me. (laughs) This is going to be a lot of fun. (laughs) Yeah, we were just chatting a little bit before we started recording, and I said, we have done breakup episodes, but we have never done an episode about divorce specifically, Mm and all the conversations that could be around that, and I think it's perfect because divorce can be such a taboo topic. And I know that you have some personal experience to which you have spoken at length on in your own podcast. And it's ironic because Katie and Madison are both married. I'm engaged. So I'll be in the married conversation really soon as well. So I would like to know how to not get divorced eventually. (laughs) And I just want to add in too, I've realized I've never actually shared this on the show, but I'm a child of divorced parents. My parents divorced when I was 11 years old. Yeah, I just got like, oh my God, yay. I'm I'm just happy about it right now. I've done a lot of work on it (laughs) to get to a place of being joy and laughter in this moment. But yeah, so that's something unique about me. And I believe both of you come, both of your parents are still together, correct? Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah, my parents are still married. Yep, over 40 years. Yeah, yeah wow. my husband's parents are still married. Too. Same with my parents until my dad passed last summer, but they were married like 40-something years, 43 years. Uh, that's so rare, actually, to have parents that are married these days, I feel like. That's so mm-hmm. beautiful. Yeah. Okay, so let's jump right in. Can you clue our listeners and give them a synopsis of your story and how you got to this point and your podcast and your journey into this conversation? Sure. I got married at 21, very, very young. And I got married, really, I was in love with my high school sweetheart, but it was really a lot of family pressure. Um, We went ahead and got married, and we were married 16 years total. If you round up the dating years, I was with her 20 years altogether. And uh, I consider it a success. I know it ended in divorce, but I still consider 20 years a success. success. And we get along great now. We're great co-parents. She's remarried. I'm engaged, by the way. I didn't know if you ladies knew. I'm engaged. Congratulations. Thank you. Do you have a date? No, not yet. Not yet. Uh, that's okay. All right. Further all right. down the line. But you got it. You know, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. I didn't think I was going to do it again, but here I am. Oh my God. I know. That's <laughs> what a plot twist. <laughs> I know. So we were married that long, and uh, the trouble really started coming along the eighth, maybe seventh year. That I noticed oh. that's when we started really uh, separating, becoming different people. Again, I got married at 21, and we all know that you're a totally different person at 21 compared to 30. And we were yeah, becoming sure. different. Absolutely. We were becoming different people. And I don't want to blame the kids. I'd never do. But when the kids showed up, we forgot to be husband and wife. And we focused on just being parents because, you know, kids are unconditional love. And you just want to shower them with as much love and attention as you can. But we forgot about the, our spouse. And mm-hmm. that went on for a long time. And um, we just slowly started separating and just growing apart. And uh, sex was a big part of that as well. You know how the routine is. Every day you go to work, it's eight hours a day, then you pick up the kids, and then you got to get home, make dinner, and then what if the kids play sports? You really don't get enough time. Maybe you get two hours a day, maybe, with your spouse during the work week, maybe, maybe at the most. And we grew apart, and we just really weren't making an effort with one another. And I've been very vocal on TikTok about me cheating on my ex-wife, and I did it, mm. and I was very uh, guilty about it. I felt horrible about it, so I confessed to her. And we stayed married an additional eight years, but ultimately, it, we just grew apart. We, everybody says you need to communicate in a relationship, and that's true, but she and I, at the time, didn't know how to communicate. We were just waiting to talk. We never listened to each other. And uh, that mm. was a big, another piece that led to the divorce. And uh, we, I filed for divorce. I was the one who asked for it. And uh, like I said, it was on good terms. There were some rocky moments, but it was on good terms. And we were always great co-parents. And uh, we still had that dynamic, even when we started dating and doing our own things. We are giving each other dating advice on what we saw. Because none of us had dated since the 90s. So we were just like, what's going on here? It's totally different now. <laughs> there were no dating apps then. <laughs> no, no dating apps. You had to go up to people. And I was doing yeah. that. And women were so shocked that I was going up to them. Like, men don't come up to women anymore. Like, they don't? When? When did that happen? <laughs> so I was... So that- that's interesting. I would be so interested on in your take of dating apps versus 
not dating apps? I find dating apps, inc- I found it dating incredibly easy. I never had a problem not finding a date. And there were weekends where I had maybe four dates, like uh, two on Saturday and then one Friday, one on Sunday. I just gravitated to it. It just made it easy because back in the day, like I said, you had to have game, as they said, go up to somebody, talk to them, flirt with them, maybe get their number, schedule a date, and then something may happen later on down the road. But here yeah. it was just instantaneous, and it, was, it felt very impersonable. And I hated my first impression being a text. I really did hate that. I preferred my first impression being eye contact and saying hello. And yeah. that's just me. And I just had a great, successful dating life in that sense. It just made dating a whole lot easier. And it was a lot easier to ghost people because you never really connected to them. They were just JPEGs and conversations. And it was just very weird to me. But I adjusted pretty fast. I've also learned a new term. There's now, like, you've been zombied where someone... What is that? (laughs) So... I just learned this from my friend. So ghosted, for anyone who doesn't know, is basically like you're talking to someone and they just disappear on you. Poof, they're a ghost. Being zombied is like when someone ghosts you and then like months later, they come back to life and reach out. Oh my God. Like four or five months later and they're like, you've been zombied. (laughs) Like they're back from the dead. Oh my God. Yeah. And I remember that happening to me too. Like a woman who ghosted me. Hey, what are you doing? Like on a Saturday? I'm just here. Where you been? It's been four months. Yeah, exactly. You got oh zombied. Yeah. All the time. Oh yeah. Ghosted. It was a horrible. And there's a huge fine here. I'm sorry about that. Anyway. That's okay. okay. Yeah. That's so funny. And so dating in terms of that, what do you think you're, I would say any guys listening or people or even anyone on the gender rainbow listening, what do you think your secret was to be getting like those four dates in a week? And I'm honestly so curious. <laughs> it was... I think a lot of things, I went in completely naive. First off, I was really happy about the divorce. I was excited to start my new life. And again, as, as I was 21 when I got married, I never introduced myself to anybody as just Rudy. I was always married, Rudy. So now I had the chance to introduce myself to the world. Hey, I'm Rudy. How you doing? I had this new this outlook on life. I was positive. I was excited with the, what was in front of me. I didn't know what was in front of me. But I was excited to explore that space. I spoke well about my ex-wife. I was really positive about her. I said it didn't work out. I'd never spoke ill about her. And uh, women just loved that. And they loved that I was a great father. And uh, apparently they didn't see enough good fathers out there. And they were just really impressed with that. And I was just, I never went on too needy. I never came on too, I came on, hey, I love my life. If you want to be part of it, great. If not, I'll move on. I wasn't really pushy. I let them really control the space. And every woman would tell me that I made them feel safe because I wasn't pushing any agenda. Ah, and I, that, yeah, there you go. I, I had never heard that before. I didn't know what that meant until I started dating more women. And again, I, I found out that was one of the best compliments you can receive uh, from a woman. Yeah. Safety is huge for me. I don't know about you ladies, but for me, like safety sure. is like the biggest turn on. Yeah. Yeah. When you feel safe with someone. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And big. so on the, re- on the reverse end of that, I want to know, you're out there in the dating world. Can you tell us, you're on the inside. What is the truth? What are men really attracted to when they're looking? Oh my God. Like on dating apps or in general or like? In general, uh, in life, like when they're looking for to date. At the time, again, I was only with one woman for 20 something years. So I was ready to just be a man whore. And I was very vocal about that. I just wanted to have fun. So with me, I just loved women who were, were just, they took care of themselves. I wasn't spe- specific with a body type, but I loved a woman who was just very fun to be around. She had a great smile and she had a great sense of humor. She had some banter and some wit with her that we can just go back and forth. I love that. Chemistry, for me, worked more than anything. Of course, there's outer beauty, but when you get to know somebody and if they're just hollow inside, it's a real big turnoff. Like, guys, she could be a 10, but then she starts talking, and then she's a 5 because she's just got no personality. Personality went a long way for me, and I was just really attracted to that, just that mm. confidence in a woman. And a great smile. Yeah. Oh, I love a great smile. Yeah. 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 That's the same way, too. I think it's so funny when you talk about attraction, a lot of people immediately assume you're talking about physical attraction, but attraction is so many different yeah. things. Yeah. The physical attraction is a part of it, but like I said, once their personality started, that really sold it or just ended it for me. And uh, there's a lot yeah. of people who don't have great personalities or know how to talk anymore. <laughs> yeah. No. Present, included, present company excluded. Yeah. Oh, obviously, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I definitely all right. need all my bays in life to be confident. Super confident. Oh, yeah. Confident, mm-hmm. love yeah. yourself, take care of yourself. Doesn't matter what you look like. As long as you just love yourself, take care of yourself, and mm-hmm. you're confident, that's a great, that's a great recipe for we're going to have chemistry. 
Yes, definitely. I definitely do not have a type. If you yeah. lined up all of the men I've ever dated, you would say, what the fuck? <laughs> they all, <laughs> all look different. so different, all different heights, all different ethnicities, Same. all different everything. And even a lot of the men that I had the best sex with, obviously Ryan is the best. <laughs> my fancy. <laughs> but the other one, the other guys in my past, it was really like the attraction. Sometimes you would not look at them and say that they are a quote unquote hot guy, but it that had nothing to do with how hot the sex was. It was all about this other chemistry and if they stroked my kinks and all of that. So that's I think that's really important too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For me, one of the biggest turn-ons like when having sex is let me I have to tell the story real quick. I only knew one way to make love. And that was like I said, with one woman outside of that one affair I had, but I was with one woman my entire life. So when I made love, I kissed a lot. And that's just me. And then I found out, uh, can I curse on this podcast? Yes, okay. of course. Of course I, you can found, fucking curse. I found out there's a difference between <laughs> making love and fucking. And uh, most mm-hmm. were fucking. And when I kissed, it freaked out a lot of women, but it made the, the encounter a whole lot intimate and just better. And for me, I remember just, uh, there were some women who like grew feelings for me. Like, what did I do wrong? She was, you just hold me different and treat me different. Like I do, like, I didn't know any better, mm-hmm. but like kissing and just making love a certain way, I found just opened up like doors to emotions that some people weren't ready to, I guess, face. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that. So I had to adjust like no kissing, doing things yeah. a certain way, being aggressive instead of being intimate and soft. I just had to adjust depending on who I was with. Does that make any sense? Yes, it does. absolutely. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I wish that I had lovers that were not emotionally available to commit to me, not make love to me. I wish those no. men fucked me and didn't make love to me because they yeah. weren't ready for it. They were not ready for what they were. Cre- I was like, oh, my God, I'm in love. They're like, wait, what? Like, we banged three times. Banged? Like, we didn't yeah. bang. Banged. You made mm-hmm. love to me. You made love to my soul. <laughs> I have had that experience. So, no, making these adjustments is responsible. Yeah, definitely. We also just did this. We just posted a reel that <laughs> went viral, which <laughs> delighted us because the not often are do our reel. We post a lot of reels. They don't all go viral. Uh, uh, the topic was open-eyed orgasms and just, yeah, open-eyed yeah. orgasms. And then we were just in some settings, yes. And in this conversation, though, no. If you're just trying to have fun and date, I don't know if I would recommend open-eyed orgasms if you don't want the person (laughs) to fall in love with you (laughs) pretty intimate it's pretty intimate thing so yield your power and charm responsibly everyone listening but that's what i'm really getting from this is know who your audience is and who you're dating and with chemistry being there yeah some people can handle that and not everybody can and so you were able to adjust yourself depending on the person and maybe where they were at or if you've noticed there was something maybe they were looking for more and you weren't available to give them that you would adjust yourself and maybe take on a little bit more like you got to play with your sexuality and explore these other sides of you not just sensual love making lover man that sounds really good by the way but you ought to maybe (laughs) express this like wolverine magic in you that was like yeah and be a little bit more aggressive and that must have been fun to go on that journey of your of your opening up your own sexuality yeah i've always used the analogy i was like this cage bear who lived in a zoo his entire (laughs) life and it was able to go out to the wild so i had fun and i remember this one time i was with a woman and it was just passionate we're doing great she says choke me i'm like what (laughs) <laughs> I had never choked a woman in my life. I'm like, you want me to watch? You just choked me. I'm like, oh, look, I've never done that. Grab my hand. Tell me exactly what you want. And she put her my hand on her neck, and she goes, just squeeze here, not here. And I'm like, okay. And I go, just tell me when. And I learned. And before you know it, I was wow. doing it again. I had a woman tell me, pull her. You have really good instincts. I was just going to say, I that was the like... perfect reaction. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't going to get like offensive most... or like uh, insulted. I think most guys aren't too comfortable in their sexuality or who they are to hear criticisms or feedback Uh, or take direction i bow to you for saying that it's so fucking true wow yeah Yeah, you're like elevated am i anyone who's listening if someone asks you to choke them and you never have that is the proper reaction response yeah i have them show you what they want yeah and uh, pulling hair i'd never done that before because i couldn't do that with the ex-wife i tried it a couple times because you see the movies right and she just wasn't into that. So I remember I learned how to pull hair. But show me how to do it. And she put my hand behind her scalp and just squeezed from yes. the roots, not from the end. And I'm like, okay, there's a yep. way to pull hair. So There is a way. So I learned about spanking and all that stuff. Some women were into spitting. I'm like, I'm not into that, but you can go ahead. I'm fine. <laughs> but it was just like, wow. I was really surprised, again, how aggressive, sexual aggressive, and just women were. Because it just wasn't like that in the 90s. You had to really be the aggressor, so to speak. And mm-hmm. women were just, uh, I was letting them take oh. point. 
I was like, whatever. So you, you were in this capsule, like you, you yeah. experienced women in the nineties and then women today. And you totally just, different. You missed the whole transition. I did. I completely <laughs> did. Was, and I wasn't complaining, but I was like, oh my God, this is okay. I'm letting them take point, whatever you want to do. Mm. Oh my God. Is this okay? Cause I was born in the nineties, so I wasn't sexually active, <laughs> but yeah. was it more of like notebook sex? And now we're in like an age of. The notebook was like in the forties. Yeah, <laughs> in the forties. No, 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 no. I guess I. The movie The Notebook takes place in like the forties. Oh, well, I know, mm-hmm. but it came, came out in, in the, the early two thousands. I think where it was just. Well, I guess it's like that fairy tale magic lovemaking was like the nineties. Mm-hmm. Is that accurate? Am I pick? Yeah, it was, and women were more shy. I remember there's one want the lights off or like a blanket on top of us. They were just very, right. they weren't really confident in their sexuality. And here, we're having sex. There was got lots that. of shame. Right, more yeah. shame. Okay, got it. Yeah, yeah, that was such a thing, like having the lights off for me when I started being sexually mm-hmm. active. I, as a kid, it was always like lights off. So I guess I'm like, yeah. part, I'm part of this era. Of, yeah, very much. And so what are you noticing in women now? There's just more confidence or more freedom in their sexuality, Yes, definitely. Like I said, there was like some dates. We mentioned this when you were on my podcast. I remember picking up a woman on a date and she goes, I think you're hot. I'm like, thanks. She goes, can I suck your dick? And I'm like, sure, we just met, but go right ahead. Uh, yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah. I'm not going to complain. So I'm like, I've never had roadhead in my life because again, the ex-wife did, wasn't into that. So I'm finally getting roadhead. And that was, wow. I, find, I found more women willing to do that than have sex. And again, I wasn't going to complain. They offered. Really? Yeah. And I go, they offered, I'm like, sure, I was never aggressive with it. And this is also during the Me Too movement, 2016, 2017. So I was very careful. Like, if you want to, you go right ahead. I'm following yeah. you. And I never put any pressure on them. I just said, whatever happens this evening, it's your decision. I'm not going to push it. Maybe I'm a little backwards, but to me, I feel giving a blowjob is a more intimate than sex. Maybe I'm backwards. I don't know. <laughs> to me, at least, because you're really down there. You're up in his... Yeah. Junk is <laughs> in your face. Uh-huh. <laughs> Eye contact. Oh, yes. 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 No, with this- the cock. Eye contact oh. with the cock. <laughs> oh, That's what I was referencing. Right. There was a delayed response. <laughs> I was okay. like, yeah, Lindsay, make eye contact with that cock. With their cock or with their with eyes? With their cock. Whatever. Oh, yeah. All right. No, I like to, we like to dick whisper, but that's a totally different episode. Yeah. Okay. That's a <laughs> wow. top rated episode. <laughs> we literally whisper to the dick. Okay. So anyways, back to divorce. We want to... So what are, (laughs) segue, what are your overall thoughts? Like going back to your experience, I know that you shared something really shocking was that a lot of people, a lot of your friends wanted to date your ex-wife. Oh yeah. Yeah. How was that is shocking to me, honestly. Yeah. I didn't, again, I wasn't upset about it. I was just shocked because again, we're divorced. She can do whatever she wants and date whoever she wants. But I just found it shocking that there were people from high school that I knew back in 1995 that were messaging me saying, Hey, with your permission is okay. If I could date your ex-wife, I'm like, wow. First off, I'm shocked, but she's free. She's free. She can do whatever she wants. It's fine. And uh, she ended up marrying one of our, one of our neighbors. (laughs) Oh, really? (laughs) Apparently he thought he always had a crush on her and he's a good man and they're married to this day. So I'm like, Hey, as long as they're good. But that was one thing that shocked me. And, and you hear the guy's story that when guys go through dark times, usually people don't gravitate and see if he's okay. I was banished yeah. by friends, family, everybody. And I was really by myself and I had to start you over. Were? Yeah. You were banished? Why? I was, again, I've been very vocal about my infidel, my cheating episode, but that was in 2008 that we divorced in 2015. Mm-hmm. She was very vocal, went on the smear campaign. And again, I forgive her now, but she went on the smear campaign and told everybody what I had done wrong. And I just kept my mouth shut and everybody gravitated to her and I had to start over. So I had my family was against the divorce because, again, we're Hispanic and Catholicism is just embedded in us. That's an abomination under Mm -hmm. God. So Mm -hmm. I didn't I was banished from my family, friends, everybody. So I was by myself. So when I started dating and sometimes I met a woman, I said, look, if we don't work out, that's fine. Maybe we can be friends. I don't know what's out here. I don't know what the hot bars are or places to go. Maybe I can hang out with you. We can just be friends. And I made friends that way. So if we didn't work out as dating, I became friends with them. And I just grew my circle again. I like that. And so what are your, I think a lot of times there's fear around divorce. It sounds there is obviously life after divorce. But what are your, what would you say your three biggest takeaways and or advice for someone who may be going through this or has gone through this? Okay. The first, I'll start with before deciding 
a divorce, I always tell everybody, you're going to go through a period of like maybe a year or two, maybe six months of what do I do? You're just like in this, this stagnant place of what decision I'm going to go with. I always tell people to explore every possible option you can to save your marriage. If you love your husband or wife, that's enough. Fight for it and do everything you can to save it. And if they're not meeting you halfway, and if things don't work out, then you can leave with the peace of mind knowing you tried everything. And I had that peace of mind. There was no what ifs, there was no, damn it, I failed. I had the failure piece, but I tried everything to save it. And take your time. I went to therapy. When I finally decided to go and forward with the divorce, I, went, I immediately enrolled in therapy. And it mm-hmm. took about a year for the divorce to, fun, to become finalized. But I was also going to therapy at the same time. So when it was final, I was healed. I had all the discussions I needed internally. And I internalized my own behavior. And like the reason we didn't have sex, as I mentioned in the other podcast, was I never listened to her. She was always, I thought I was this Don Juan in bed and like the best lover ever in the world. But I never listened to her. I was going too fast. I was doing what I saw in movies. And anytime she told me to slow down, do this, do that, I would get mad and upset. And therefore, she didn't want to talk to me anymore. Or like even get into the situation because I'm only going to get upset. So that's why we stopped having sex. And when I realized that, I'm like, oh, my God. And I carried that over to the dating world. So I've realized, get this, every woman's different. I didn't know that. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> so that, you bring up a really interesting yeah. point. And I'm thinking about our listeners. There might be somebody listening right now who is in the position of your ex-wife and wanting to communicate and feeling shut down. Is there anything she could have done? Or do you have any advice for someone that might be in that position that is wanting to communicate to their spouse about sex and they're just getting upset with them. Is there anything she could have done differently or how could she have gotten through? Uh, Oh, especially when you're talking to a guy, especially if they're younger and depending on how they would react, it can be a very sensitive topic to bring Mm -hmm. up. I always bring up maybe going on walks. I never like fighting in my house. I like to treat my house now as a sanctuary who wants to come home to their house and every room reminds you of a fight or something negative that happened. I always tell people go for walks and just talk things out. It's a neutral ground you're out there, the sun's in your face, and just have those conversations and bring it up there in a sensitive way. Just, honey, I love you. I want to have more sex with you, but I want you to maybe possibly listen to my needs. I will satisfy any needs you have, but I have needs myself. And this is what I like. And maybe watching a movie with him, maybe guys are very visual learners. So maybe whatever movies, pornography that is out there, educational pornography, Mm, then it's a movie clip and we'll learn through that avenue. But just be, I guess, very cautious and go neutral ground is my best advice for that. That's a great idea. Like finding a clip of exactly what you want and say, baby, can we try this next time? That's a great, because then it's not you trying to explain it. You're just showing them. I know I fancy super visual. (laughs) And I'll share this. We just, my fiance and I just recently had a breakthrough because I haven't shared this on the podcast yet, but I'm going to share it. I recently quit drinking for good. And so sober sex is a very different experience. And part of our routine would be I'd have a few glasses of wine, it would loosen me up, and then we would have sex. But now I don't have that lubricant of the alcohol, and I'm not as easily ready to just jump in the sack without that wine. And so what I identified is, oh, I haven't told him what turns me on. I need So now that I don't have the alcohol, maybe if you start with a little massage and relax me, because I think what the alcohol did was relax me. And we get this question a lot, like sober sex, how do you get in the mood? So what we discovered is both of us were able to communicate with each other how to seduce each other. And we're mm. in the conversation of how do we seduce each other to get to that point? Because once we have sex, it's always great, but it's getting to that point. It's relieving the stress of the day. And so we're trying massages, we're trying different things, but maybe it's just that how do you seduce each other conversation can make a difference as well for mm. us, as, at least that's making a difference. And I think, Rudy, your your point, your advice is so great because a lot of times I feel like these conversations when it doesn't work out in the bedroom, one partner asks for something, the other partner gets defensive and the sex ends up like not happening or there's resent, resent feelings left. And then there's no conversation. Like it just happens in that intimate setting and then there's no conversation outside of that. And then it just creates this world where you don't really want to go into that space again yeah, yeah so having that conversation while walking or go out, going outside i think is a really neutral mm-hmm. that neutral ground is really beneficial and, and i made sure not to ever make that same mistake again that's why as i mentioned earlier if a woman told me to do something i said show me show me exactly what you want mm-hmm. so i carried that over to the single world and even with my fiance now 
Like she tells me like when I performed down there for her, she was telling me that's a little too firm. I like it softer. I'm like, okay, show me. So I had to relearn with her again, because again, every woman's different. I was joking with that earlier, but yes, they are. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. We're all different. All different. So I had to relearn, yeah. you know, whatever. That's hot. Yeah. So like, just show me. That's hot though. That'd be like, show me. I wanted my partner to like me to show him, but he like wasn't interested. So <laughs> it's okay. Oh, <laughs> maybe you should have him listen to this episode. Yeah. <laughs> Um, he'll mix it. Yeah, yeah, he'll, he'll mix this. <laughs> Hi, Ethan. <laughs> uh, Hi. <laughs> and so now that you are having gone through the experiences that you're going into and going into this new marriage that you're now engaged, what would you say to anyone who's in a marriage or is entering into that or interested in that in the future? What do you think are some of the best secrets? I know you said listening, but what are some other ways to really make a marriage last and not just survive, but I would say thrive. How do you make your marriage thrive in your opinion? There's a, with the vows, I think this should be rewritten in a sense. I promise to, for better or for worse, I think you should also vow to each other that I will continue to evolve and be a better person for you, grow with you. I will not hold this back in a sense. I will continue to be better for you and adapt to whatever happens to us. I will do my mm. best to mm. enable our happiness. I will work yes. with you. I will never work against you. I think if people added that vow, I think it'd be better because, again, I think a lot of people forget that people change, behaviors change. There's things that can happen, medical issues, mm -hmm. postpartum depression. I've had many friends who dealt with that. And people don't think about those horrible moments and, like, the, those low moments yeah. or, like, a parent dies and now they're different and they don't want to have sex yeah. and it's been four months. Are you going to be a jerk and say, what about my needs? No, your spouse's parent died, so you have to adjust to that. So sometimes you may not be the your needs may not be satisfied your needs have to take a secondary position and you have to focus on your spouse and build each yes. other up and i think if you do that and understand that and can be selfless and it can and that selfless transition can take maybe weeks or maybe years you don't know but mm -hmm. if you can do that and with a clean heart admit to that i can then you are ready for marriage if not you may have some trouble because again marriage is yeah. you think you, you can have a happy marriage like going and making all the right decisions and playing it safe, things can happen. Yeah. Injuries, and uh, you want to be there for them at their lowest. Yeah, I love that. Continue to grow. And uh, Growth mindset. This is so mm -hmm. key. As people say to me, they're like, oh, I really want a relationship. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, do you, are you okay with change? Because that's literally what a relationship is. It's, yeah. a it's a vehicle for that. When we resist the change... We're not in a relationship. We're in a relationship. <laughs> Good one. Yeah. I do find like the closer I, my friends who are single, they say, oh, I want to be in a relationship. I'm like, are you sure? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because a relationship, yes, from the outside, it, it can look amazing and they are amazing, but it's a lot of work to maintain a relationship that thrives and you have to be willing. Now, a lot of it is joyful work and fun work, but you, I think it's important to have that commitment to make it a priority above all else. My mom and my dad used to say something to me that really pissed me off when I was a kid, but my mom said, when you're older, you'll like it. I would say, she always would say, no, I love your dad the most. He's the person I love the most in the world. He is my number one. And when you get married, you will have your number one. Because I always, as a kid, wanted it to be equal, us to be the equal loves of my mom's life. And she said, when you get older, I hope that you have your number one too. She said, no, your dad is my number one. And I do think that was one of the secrets of their marriage. Nope, I love him more than anyone. And I always will prioritize him. And we created you together. And you will find your one when you... And now that I have, I understand what she meant. Yeah, that. that makes complete sense. Yeah. I like... And then what led to, again, my divorce as well was we put the kids above us. Right. They were the priority. And I never put my spouse's needs ahead of theirs. Like I said, being a father is one of my best roles ever. I love being a father. I feel like it's what I was put on earth to do. I love my babies. But again, I... Walking into the second marriage, I'm not going to make those same mistakes. And I tell her, we have our boy, but you're first. And uh, we're very vocal. I share things, even though I don't know how to word it sometimes. I share, like, concerns, and we talk it out. I'm making sure I'm not going to replicate those mistakes again, ever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, so I, can, just, I feel like that's a lot easier said than done, like prioritizing your spouse over your children. Mm -hmm. Because they require... 24-hour care, right. especially when they're little. Mm -hmm. you know? So finding time and space to prioritize them and all their needs or one of them. I have two now and 
also prioritize yourself and also your partner. And then if you have a job or a career, Mm -hmm. finding space to prioritize that as well. It's yeah, hindsight is 2020, but also like you're in that situation again and finding time to prioritize everything is so challenging. And I don't want to sweep it under the rug for our listeners that this is just, oh, not going to do that again, because you don't know what it's going to be like as you're walking through. And But I think keeping your partner as a priority, because I can tell you right now, my husband is not my priority. I am not going to take, I cannot take care of my husband like I used to before we had kids. And it's not, I don't think it's fair or feasible for me to be able to do that. Well, it's is it, not like is my, it taking care of your husband or is it the two of you prioritizing like sacred couple time together that like fulfills both of you? That we do. Yeah. yeah we do. I, I don't, like prioritizing your partner over your kids, I think is a tricky I think tricky gymnastics right because you want the children most especially mothers to align with because it's like you want the children to feel like they're a priority but what they really don't know is like mommy and daddy are like handling business like we are like we're the priority but without having the kids feel like they're being abandoned I don't actually feel that way at all my kids are definitely my priority and they have to be has your husband in terms it's also important but it's not and they're also they're little you have a four month old or five months she five months now yeah I have a six month old yeah Yeah. they're like that's a very specific phase that's a very specific like that yeah so that's why I just want to be careful about how we're like generalizing yeah it's different it sounds like it's with different phases like like Rudy you're in a place where your kids are a little bit older now yes uh, but we just had a baby we just had a baby my son Max he's five months now with my fiance so, oh, so congratulations. So, so it sounds like we're really having a conversation of balance. And I do want to clarify yeah. something. When my mom said that to me, we were in soccer. We did a shit ton of activities. Oh, my yeah. parents drove us all over the place. I think what my mom was really speaking to is more of a mental state of really putting your emotional care into a relationship. I don't think, Katie, obviously you don't have time to be taking care of Ethan, but I think that you do, sh- well, you have shared that you guys do have date nights. That's important. Yeah, we have yeah, date nights. Yeah. But I'm just talking about like general care. Like I used to cook him a special dinner. We used oh, to do yeah. all these special right. things. Like I would love to be able to like relish in all of that normally right. now. Yeah, it's just and my mom feasible. wasn't. My mom wasn't doing it, that when I was a kid either. It was more like their bedroom was a sacred area that we weren't allowed in. I love that. Good. And we, it was a kid's nose that we had to knock on the door and ask permission. It was very special if we were allowed in that room. That was their sacred area. And when mom and dad were having mom and dad time, we were sorting ourselves out. We were watching Saturday morning cartoons. Obviously, when you have a little tiny baby that's attached to your tit, that's a very specific time. I'm talking about when we were a little older. My parents had boundaries for their relationship, and we were totally felt taken care of. So I think that, like, obviously, like, I've never been a mom, so I can't speak to that. I hope to be in the future, so I'm not going to speak on what motherhood is. All I can speak is what it was like as a child. And I guess my question for you, Rudy, is like having now having a baby and finding the balance, like how are you creating it differently this time? And what would be your advice to people who are struggling to find the balance? That's a very good question because I felt the change. Like I said, when I started dating again, this was my fiance was the first woman I ever dated who never had, didn't have kids. She was a single mother. She I had all the attention I wanted. We went on trips. She bought me gifts. I was the center of her world, and I actually loved it. I had never mm-hmm. had that much attention in my life, and then when we, f- we found out that we're going to have a kid, I knew what was going to happen because I remember when I was younger, in my late 20s, how forgotten I felt and how, in a way, jealous I felt because I wasn't the center yeah. of my ex-wife's attention. We weren't playing games or doing the things we did that were fun, and I felt alone. I felt, okay, this person came in, and now I felt very, I guess, selfish and just left out and, yeah. and not part of her immediate circle or her like a world anymore. And now the, with my fiance again, I expected it, and there was a change. But what she's doing that really shocked me is that she know because all the concerns that I've just shared with you, I shared with her, look, this is what happened with me. I felt this when the kids mm-hmm. came. It's moments. She just says, I love you, babe. Or she'll come and she'll mm-hmm. hug me. 
and hold me. And I know she's got her son and I'm helping with the kid, of course. And I hate to use the word helping. I'm very involved as a dad and it's moments. And at night when she puts him in his bassinet, she comes over and she spoons me. And that's all I need. And that's all I yeah. need. And it's just, I love you still. I haven't forgotten about you. And I know when she's tired, we didn't have sex the entire pregnancy because she's so small and it was tough on her. And, but as a grown man now, I understood this is part of the game and I wasn't pushy. I didn't, we didn't have sex. I was fine with that. And I just wanted her to be safe and the baby to be safe. I don't know if young men can mm. do that, especially with all the testosterone and just the lack of maturity. I don't think they could or can. And that's when those guys complain, what about me? Then they go cheat and do stupid things. But yeah, mm. I don't have a third kid. You're a co-parent with me. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Sorry. exactly. And if you're just, well, what about my needs? This is the part where I mentioned earlier, you have to be selfless. Yeah. This, you're not the priority right now. But as long as you just give them those moments as a husband and tell them I love you. Yeah. And we don't want to lose our wives. In other words, we love our wives, but we don't want her to just go into motherhood. Does that make any sense? Stay there. Stay yeah. present with me. Let her know there's shards of you there still. And just let me know that you're there and have forgotten about me. And it's like I said, it's just mm-hmm. moments at a time. And when they're babies. And I would say to that, she also needs to find herself oh, yeah. before she can offer that. Absolutely. Like for me, like I've, I'm still searching. And every time you, I've had a kid, it's like, oh, I have to find myself again and how I operate in this family and in my, and in my career, like in every bucket of life. Yeah. It's, it, yeah. And it gets busier when they get older. Like I remember when I was younger, oh, they're babies. I'm going to have more time when they get older. No, they're going to play sports. And then there's practices after school. And then there's tournaments on weekends. And then, oh my God, it gets, it, it, time is so little. There's so little time to take advantage of. And you just can't forget and get caught in that routine. You have to just say, tell the kids no sometimes. It's okay to tell them no. Yeah, put in boundaries with your kids. Yeah. Like mommy and daddy are in mommy and daddy's room right now and you're not allowed in here. Yeah. <laughs> just like, you go no, you're not going to play soccer and baseball and basketball this year. Yes. You can pick one sport. <laughs> There's some parents that have their kids in every sport year round. I don't know how they do that. I, I don't you know. know what? My parents did a sweet thing with me when I was a kid. They had me play like all the sports at once in a year okay. so I did I remember so I could figure out what my favorite ones were and then they let me play too um. yeah I went on to go. <laughs> that's kind of what my parents did too they mm. saw what I was interested in yeah. but so you mentioned cheating yes. which I know is a part of your story as well and I know I noticed it's interesting right because we've got different models of marriage on this podcast so I am curious on now that you interviewed us about polyamory on your podcast <laughs> What is your take on cheating and poly and how do we avoid that from happening, heal from happening? There's so much to unpack around cheating. (laughs) We could do a whole episode. Yeah, there's so much. The cheating piece for me, it it wasn't physical. It was part physical, but it was more emotional because we got into debt really fast when we were younger. And I was working a lot of overtime to try to get us out of this hole. And I just felt Mm -hmm. like a failure. Every time I went home, it was always, we don't have this. You didn't help out with this. And we can't do this. And I loved her so much. I wanted to give her the life that she deserved. And I felt like a failure. And I started getting success at work. I started climbing the corporate ladder. And I was celebrated and just, I felt respected at work. And then when I came home, it was like, you didn't do this. We can't do this. And we were broke. And we had the big, beautiful home. We had the two cars, but we were house poor because we wanted to keep up with all our friends. So debt was also a major factor into why we were struggling. And mm-hmm. I just felt miserable. I hated going home because I, the only joy I had coming home was when I opened the door and the kids, dad, they come and hug my legs. That was my favorite part of the day. But mm-hmm. we had the chore split. I would, it was 50-50 and I could never do anything. I was just doing everything wrong. So I just felt, I, what's the word? Just like a failure with her. And then uh, another woman at work Younger, I was 32 at the time. She was like 24. She knew I was married, but she saw for me for what I was. She laughed at my jokes, and I would be facilitating a meeting, and she would laugh. And I remember, like, hey, I am a funny guy. I am lighthearted. I like doing this. So she reminded me of who I was, but I'm not a cheater. I kept telling myself, no, I'm just going to go home and try to work things out with the wife. And I tried every way. She just wasn't happy with her career. She wasn't happy with her education, and I kept cheering her on let's we'll go back to school go back to school. we can't because i have to work because we're stuck in this situation and uh, i felt my rationality to make the decision was i tried everything with her for years to try to get this to work and finally i gave in to this young woman and she's doing everything that i wanted the ex-wife to do sexually everything i asked the ex-wife to do who said no that's sick what are you talking about no would you see that in your dirty movies no this younger woman's doing everything that i wanted 
And it was fun for a couple of months, but I felt guilty about it. I hated myself. So I confessed yeah. and I told yeah. her and she forgave me, but it took years to get there. But like I said, it wasn't just physical. It was like this person reminded me of who I was and she respected my opinion, my, just my persona, my whole being. I contributed to that space and I was respected and it felt great. It, it felt great. It was something I hadn't felt in years. And that was, was it worth it? You know what I would say? It was because I wouldn't be the man I am today. Yeah. Every, there's horrible things, horrible decisions we make. Yeah. I wouldn't advise anybody to do it, of course. But if I didn't make that horrible decision, I wouldn't have learned from yeah. my mistakes and I wouldn't be here. Absolutely. Do you think you had, do you think, you, do you feel you wish you had handled it differently? Divorced her first or what would you say to someone who's considering cheating? I know you just said it's worth it, but I think if you could avoid that, yes, we should yeah. try. If I said don't, if it's worth it in hindsight, you know, the mistake I made, right? Yeah. I wouldn't change anything. You have no regrets. Yeah. Got but, it. Yeah. But no, I would say have that <clears throat> honest conversation with your husband or spouse. Let them know, look, this is what I'm feeling. This is what I need. And I think for me, I didn't have that conversation because I was scared of hurting her feelings or like what can happen if I set this. I did try yeah. to divorce. I remember getting, reaching out to an attorney and finding out the cost. And I went looking up for apartments. Like I said, we were house, house poor. I couldn't afford anything and I couldn't afford an apartment or to leave. So I felt stuck. Mm-hmm. And it, it's a horrible place to be in emotionally because you're yeah. so separate from your spouse and you have no financial means to leave. Mm-hmm. And like I said, in hindsight, I wish I was more vocal and telling her, I need this from you. And if you need anything from me, I'm willing to give that to you. Just we need to try to save this. I wish I would have done that instead of just taking the easy road out. Yeah. And so I'm just thinking about our listeners right now. There are maybe people listening that think maybe their partner is cheating on them. Do you have any red flags of signs that that? you know, yeah, they're probably cheating on you that people should look out for. And oh, my God, because <laughs> a lot of people are not going to be as honest as you and forthright and confess. A lot of people will just lie about it. And that can I've been on the receiving end of that of someone cheating and lying about <clears throat> it. And it makes you feel crazy. Yeah, there's tons of red flags. But from a man's standpoint, if he takes yeah. the gym back to work, change of underwear and deodorant and he's not working out and he's not losing weight and he's taking a shower at her place or at the gym at work pto i remember this woman and i we would schedule pto and i wouldn't tell the ex-wife and we would meet at her place or mine so you uh, and it's it, they can investigate the pto investigate the pto and get cameras in your house because you know he, you may think he's at work but he's actually at home with this other person and that we did that this behavior if he kisses you differently if he's not asking for sex anymore this didn't happen to me, but there were some men who did cheat on their wives, and their, their girlfriend was so jealous of the girlfriend, they would tell him, you better not have sex with you. You better not fuck her. When I have sex with you, I want to see all that come. In other words, they wanted to see a huge load burst out of them. If they didn't have a huge load, they knew that he either jerked off or had sex with his ex-wife, so they would get mad at him. And they would... Oh. Can you believe that shit? It's insane. What? So the mistress is, I want to see the big load to make sure yep. you're not having sex with your wife? Yep. Wow. So if he's not having sex with you, that's savage. That's a red flag. Yeah, it it got insane in some cases. Some cases he doesn't take off a shirt because he doesn't. He has a hickey or scratches on him. And if he's Um. just happy, if he's been miserable for quite some time, (laughs) and he is now just so fucked up. No, but if he's just, it's so true. No, No, you're so right. I'm being totally honest. If he's happy, no, it's good. This is skeptical. Yeah, if all the, if all of a sudden he's happier, then yeah, that so makes not tired. It's probably a sign that like, he's he has NRE for somebody. Yes. Yeah. What's NRE? I don't know what that is. New, 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 rela- new oh, relation, okay. new relationship. NRE. <laughs> Katie said it for the both of us. I know. Yeah, well, like you said, like when you, you said. first meet someone, that spark, mm-hmm. that like instant. Oh my god, I want to have your babies. It's like a, actually in your brain. You're, there's like a lot mm-hmm. of things happening, and your brain's basically getting hijacked by. Yeah. Neurotransmotional flooding. And yeah. if he becomes cold to you because now he's growing feelings, this is what happened to me. I remember growing feelings for the person I was having this affair with and being very cold to the ex-wife. I was like, like, I tried with you. You didn't try with me. And I'm cold with you. All my emotion is vested with this other person. So if he becomes cold with you, that's another red flag there. But if he dresses differently, he's dressing more sexy now. He's dressing, he's got more confidence in his step. I remember there's women that cheated on their husbands that started wearing sexy lingerie underneath their clothes. Instead of wearing the polo and jeans with their hair back, they put makeup on and they dress sexy with right. high heels There's because they're going to meet him for a nooner. There's tons of red flags there that you can see, but you'd be surprised. People find a way. 
in his car. Oh, yeah. guys, check his car. If he goes out and like on a Saturday night and then Sunday morning he's getting it detailed, it's because he had sex in it. And there's hair or whatever things in there he wants it clean. So if he's getting his hair detailed, his car detailed. I didn't think about a lot of these. Yeah. These are good sleuthing okay. tips. Yeah. Right. If he washed the right, laundry, so if he does, hey, honey, I washed the bedroom set. I washed the sheets and all that. Why'd you do that? Oh, I just wanted to do it. He did it because he had sex oh in it. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, that would be. <laughs> yeah, no. That it's would like, definitely catch my attention. Yeah, that would catch my, I'd be like, what? Did our sheets. <laughs> He's never washed the sheets once in five years. It, what are you doing now? Yes, and it, does not do any laundry. It is, this is, I'm so grateful that I'm in an ethical non-monogamous relationship, so I don't have to really, not that I don't have to worry about cheating, because people can cheat in a non-monogamous relationship. It's just not really as likely because the foundation of that is like communicating about being open with sleeping with other people. So you're not really, there's no motive to lie. <laughs> so I'm actually like, it's really hard to cheat in a non-monogamous relationship. You got to be like not screwed on, you're not in the right mindset for what that is. But I'm grateful for that because I know the nature of my desire. I have chemistry with most people. It's just, it's a gift and a curse. <laughs> um, <laughs> chemistry with most people, she says. I do. If um, I can add, if I can add one more thing, I want to add one more thing. And women, yeah. I swear to God, your intuition is like the force in Star Wars. Yeah, it's not accurate. Know. Yeah. Listen to it and listen to your body because I knew of a few men who got HPV and then ended up giving <laughs> their wives HPV and they have these pains in their bodies and you're crazy, whatever. And ended up she had an infection of some sort. Ugh. So be careful. Listen to your body. I, <laughs> I have done some crazy things to bust guys that have cheated on me. It almost makes me sound a little crazy, but I got super creative. Okay. I've never admitted this before. Oh my God. I can't Ooh, believe I'm about to admit this. Okay. Two big secrets. I love this. Man. So <laughs> I know. So this is a crazy story. Okay. I'm going to tell you this story. This I, is what happens when we record at night. <laughs> I, like I know. I was dating this guy. It was when... I don't want to give too many details. Fuck it. People figure out who it is. They figure out who it is. We were on tour together and we were dating for a few years. I was friends with him for a few years before and we were dating for about two years. I was in New York visiting and I see this email. Like he was in the shower and this email was on there. I just glanced and it was like him confirming another woman's flight to New York for the next week. Oh, baby, I can't wait to see you. I was like, oh, shit. But then he gaslit me and convinced me that we, like, broke up and he was gaslighting me but still trying to pull me into the relationship. And here, oh, here's another way to know if a guy is a serial cheater. He has no social media. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. So he had no social media, but I knew her name. Oh my. I can't believe I'm admitting this. I created a fake Facebook account pretending to be him and messaged her to see how she would react. Ooh. And she immediately, I said, thanks so much for forgiving me for dating that other girl. Because I was, I was like, I was starting to get the inkling. So the, basically what the story was, he had been dating this other woman for about nine years. I was actually the other woman and he was trying to keep us apart. So me and her end up talking on the phone. He's completely busted at this point. And so she immediately knew it wasn't him. She's I can't believe you got a Facebook. And so that's how I got in touch with her. I wanted to just see how she would react. And then me and her got into communication. And then he tried to flip the whole thing on me again and say that I knew about her the whole time, which obviously wasn't true. But that was pretty wild. So I that's one way to bust someone. You can, if you get creative, you could bust anyone. I say you got to go in with evidence, un, unrefutable evidence, yeah. if they're lying. Yeah. It, it's, if I can just add to that, if anybody's listening, if you are cheating or considering, don't. But if you are and you get busted, <laughs> own up to it. Own up your shit. Just tell the And truth. just say, yeah. yes, I have. This is, I'll answer any question you want. Don't make your girlfriend, your husband, whatever, feel like they're insane. Be a man, stand up, and just own up to your mistakes and tell them and just come clean. Yeah. Or, a woman. or a woman. Yeah, anybody. Just yeah. own up to it. Or non-binary. All anybody genders can cheat. Mm. <laughs> anybody, anybody can, yeah. Any human being can cheat. Amazing. Thank you so much. We have one more question for you, but before we get into that, I just want to thank you for being willing to yes. speak so candidly about things that I think a lot of human beings would not be willing to the fact that you're able to have an open dialogue about this even if it's uncomfortable for some people these are 
important conversations to have and normalizing them and being able to transmute it is really important. So thank you so much for just being so vulnerable and willing and candid with us. I really appreciate it. You're very welcome. Like I said, I'm at peace with it. I know what I did wrong. And if this helps anybody out there or prevents somebody from actually doing it, that's all for it. So I hope people learn from this. Yeah. If you want to cheat, consider being Polly. Call us and we'll coach you through it. <laughs> that would be my that would be my advice. <laughs> or don't do it. Or break up with the person. Yeah. And then Madison, I think, has one last question for you. Yeah. So our organization is called actually I just want to double back for a second. If you're thinking about cheating, you don't have to call us for coaching to become <laughs> Polly, though you can and we have resources that you can also just call us for coaching around like how to talk to your partner about opening about like <laughs> whatever it is that's on your heart <laughs> not being poly, not being but, not poly but just yeah getting communication so our organization is called pleasure positive living and i just want to know what does that mean to you and how do you see yourself already living a pleasure positive life when i filed for divorce and my life was at its lowest i realized that wow you know what my life in front of me i can make it to whatever i want it to be i'm in control of everything And I don't have to depend on anybody. I own my life and I'm able to allow whoever into it and do what I want. And my God, having that ownership, feeling that ownership at 39 was the most powerful feeling I've ever felt. And I said, you know what? I had enough of the negative. I want the positive and I'm going to do whatever I can to make it. And I've, that's been my mindset this entire time. There are some bumps in the road, but it's how you look at it. You gonna let a moment in your day ruin the entire day or just, okay, that was a moment to move on. There are bad people, but don't let them take up your space. I, you own your life. If you're, you can make it to whatever you want it to be. And like I said, I learned that when I lost everything. And it's a powerful feeling. And your life is yours. You can do what you want. Amazing. Thank you. Sad, Rudy. And for our listeners, where can they listen to your podcast, follow you, keep in touch with your rude advice? <laughs> <laughs> My podcast, the rude advice podcast is on all listening platforms. I'm on YouTube under rude advice. I started my channel what, maybe six months ago. It's slowly growing, but I'm there and I'm live normally Tuesdays and Fridays, excuse me, Tuesdays and Thursdays on Facebook and on YouTube and on TikTok, three platforms. It's tough to manage, but I'm doing it. But you can find me on TikTok as well. That's where my main following all started there. Yes, rude advice. You'll find me. Amazing. All right. Thank you so much. And with that, pleasure seekers and clitorati, we will see you next Tuesday. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye-bye.